this is Happy Place with me, Fern Cotton, a podcast where we discover what makes people happy and what they do to cope when things aren't going so well. And you find me once again in my very happy place, my kitchen at home. This week, I'm chatting to the incredibly charismatic Paloma Faith. Now, we recorded this late 2017, the week that her album was released. She was in a great mood and she really took off her pop star hat. This is just me talking to Paloma out of pop star mode and it was a complete joy. I just think there's nothing that beats the kind of chemical rush that you get when you've achieved something that you thought you might not achieve. Like, it just really is an addiction of mine. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And now, here's the show. What I want to explore and talk about today is ambition. I'm first floor. I am really intrigued as to how successful people become successful and where that seed of ambition is planted. And also, I'm really interested in if ambition can exist without determination and drive, or do they all marry to create this magic concoction which leads you to reach your goals? So the person I'm going to meet today has got massive buckets of success and a lot of confidence, I think. So I'm intrigued to see her take on it all and see what she thinks. So let's go and knock on the hotel room door of Paloma Faith. Hello. Hiya. Hello, my love. When's this going out? At some point in time. Oh, so it's okay to say that I'm number one. <gasps> yes! Hello, <laughs> number one. And it's partly down to Fern. <laughs> All successful people are never as great as they want to be, and I still am not as great as I like to be. It took me a long, long time to even tell people I was a singer. I never even said it until kind of like maybe midway through my second album campaign. I always said I was a performance artist because I'd never wanted to be a singer and it sort of happened by chance in a weird way. Like I was sort of doing singing as a sideline to more like arty performance. I'd just include it. and Then somebody was like, oh, I like your voice and I think you're cool and... It happened like that. And then my first record came out and I went on my first tour and I just kept losing my voice because I hadn't had any proper training. And I was like, but I've, I want to be amazing. I want to go on and perform to all these people that have bought tickets. And so I, I started singing lessons for the first time in my life in 2010, the year after my first record had actually come into commercial world, which was really late. And suddenly started training... I was like, I better learn to sing if this is going to be my life. (laughs) And uh, so I did lessons and I've been through loads of singing teachers and actually I didn't find a great one until my last album because the woman, Diane Warren, who wrote Only Love Can Hurt Like This on my last record, 
said, you've got to meet this singing teacher. And this guy has changed my life and has given me so much in such a short space of time. It's been three years or something. And I do believe that my voice has got more powerful and stronger. And I do believe as well that it has since having a baby as well, better than before, because there's something maybe about the body, how it moves all your organs and all everything gets moved and then it slots back in. Maybe it's like slotted back into a better configuration or something. <laughs> I love that feels, idea. It all feels easier for mm. some reason. To everyone listening to this, they will know you as someone that is very successful in what you do. Most of us will believe that's the case for, you know, forever for you. But of course, there's a whole backstory to how you got to where you are now. So can you tell us a bit about that road to getting to this successful place and the ambition and drive that has led you here? It's interesting because there's never a quick fix in my life like I've already decided and I know that I'm somebody who has to work double hard and some people do and some people don't why is that do you think I don't know I think it's also because I'm not very good at subtlety (laughs) 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 and I'm also like I think because I'm an outsider I think it takes a lot more to kind of persuade people about you know what connects us rather than like what makes us different from each other and that takes a bit longer if you're not kind of like an obvious person for a commercial realm I guess yeah but it's interesting because when I speak to like old teachers and stuff I remember meeting up with an old teacher a while ago and um, we were talking about because I went to a school that didn't have a uniform and it was like a really rough school and there was loads of different subcultures in it like there was like what we'd call back then we'd call them like raggers goths indie kids hippies and everyone was sort of very separate and this teacher said to me I always remember you as just getting on with everyone and I think that's kind of the key but even if you're maybe like a bit left of center in the way you look at things that there's some kind of olive branch that makes people go oh that person's like me And I've had so many amazingly moving moments with fans where they've been like, oh, I've never, you know, really dressed up crazy before, but you, like, inspired me and I'm wearing this thing and I feel really fun in it and I've always never had the confidence and stuff like that. And I think all of that's so nice. It's so lovely. So going back to when you're striving and you've got the ambition and you know you want to be successful and whatever that means to you and you are getting setbacks how do you keep picking yourself back up to to keep trying and and is there a moment where you think no I'm not going to do this anymore I can't do this to myself I'm too vulnerable I'm tired from this I'm out yeah but then I just have a holiday and usually go no I want to have another go (laughs) I think it gets to a point as well where you just don't know how to be any other way because that Mm. becomes like an inherent part of your character. Definitely. I always say to people, success is the best revenge. I had a really awful boyfriend in my late teens who was quite dreadful, like all the bad stuff you can imagine in a relationship, that was what was going on. Mm. And my record company, first time I got signed... They were about to release the first record and they were like, we haven't got a massive budget for billboards or anything, but we've got two 
enough for two, where would you like them? And I put one at the bottom of this guy's street. <laughs> that is excellent. So I was like, I just want him to walk out of his door, turn left, oh, and be like, oh Paloma. my goodness. That is the best thing I've heard. Did they do it? Yeah. Oh, I don't wonderful. know if he saw it. I'm sure he did. I always say to people like success is the best revenge. If this was the last time, you know, because there is a chance the music industry is very fickle. So Mm. there was a massive chance that nobody would be interested. But I knew that I had that poster. (laughs) That was enough. That point done. That was the obstacle for that particular point in my life. I love it. To rub it in someone's face. That's brilliant. (laughs) Why not? Horrible person. How much of what you do now is driven by that need to, whether it be show naysayers, impress other people, get validation, and how much of it is coming from you and that internal drive that you have? Yeah, I think it's a lot about internal drive and it's about, I am a, I am competitive, but only with myself. Mm. I don't feel like, I, I don't really look left and right to see who's next to me. That's I'm, a hard thing to do though. Don't you think that's a real discipline to not do that? Um, yeah, it is. But also, I think it's by nature. Like, even my mum thinks it's amazing. She's she's always texting me about my peers. And she's like, well, so-and-so, why? And I'm like, I I'm not interested in that. Mm, that takes guts, though, to be like that, like, I think. Yeah, I just dance to the beat of my own drum sort of thing. Have you always been like that? I think so, yeah. At school, I was quite a high achiever. And I always would align myself with other high achievers. So I'd sit with them, be friends with them, rather than be against them. Does Mm, that make sense? mm. So I think consciously what I do is I go, I want to surround myself with ambitious people who setting the standard high for themselves because Mm. it sort of rubs off on me. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean financial because all my friends are broke because they're all quite arty. And I always have to pay for dinner. But <laughs> they're all hardworking and mm. like committed to what they're doing. And they're definitely very much like on their own path and, mm. and blinkered about what's going on around them. I find that massively appealing and inspiring because I certainly try to live like that. And, you know, I'm in a career similar to you where there's lots of people doing similar things to varying degrees of success. And it's really hard not to look around and go, oh man, that person is achieving more in that area than me. Or that person is doing that in a really interesting way. And to not somewhat emulate it or even morph a little bit into their lane and what they're doing. And I find that is such a discipline that you have to sort of commit to daily to do it. And I would also be lying if I said that there weren't moments in the last 20 years of working that... I haven't tried to be someone else for a minute even or dress differently, something completely aesthetic and superficial. Have you ever felt like you needed to compromise your own beliefs to do that? Yeah, I've done that. that. Like, I think on the end of my last campaign, the third album, like, I started to dress a bit more conservatively. I mean, everyone kept saying I look mad still. (laughs) But for me, it was conservative. Mm. And even my mum, like, now I've got blonde hair, my mum's like, why don't you put some purple in it or something? It's so boring. (laughs) I've tried that, but it didn't really do much for me. So Mm. I just sort of now, for this one, I'm like, no, I'm going back to what I want to do. I think for me, though, 
I tend not to be very competitive and I don't get upset if other people are successful and I'm not. The only time that I do, in all truth, is when I find out they're not a very nice person mm. and they have success and then I get upset. Yeah, there feels like an injustice there. Yeah, and I'm there? like, why are they, you know, yeah. they're horrible to everyone and I spend loads of time and effort trying to be nice to everyone. <laughs> No, I get that, totally. It's <laughs> just, like, horrible when, like, the dark side wins. Yeah, no, it does feel like that. And Sometimes. there are some right wankers in this industry, <laughs> as we both know. <laughs> Has success or that ambition and drive ever tipped into territory that has felt detrimental to you because you've been pushing so hard because you want, whether it be that sort of afterglow of something going well or it's you know meeting up with a marker that you've set yourself has that ever you've pushed yourself way too far and and you regret that I think that happens a lot with me I don't really have like um I don't think my body is connected physically to my brain properly because I've been hospitalized quite a few times and been told that it's basically just overwork Mm. and stress that's made me get into that situation and I honestly don't feel it coming mm. and no one around me sees it coming either because I'm quite upbeat and positive to be around all the time so it's difficult for anyone to be able to even go on my behalf like I think you should step back yeah everyone's always like are you sure and I'm like yeah yeah let's just do it yeah, yeah. And then I end up in hospital and I'm like on a drip going, oh no, sorry, I don't know what bit I shouldn't have done. Do you find that hard in life then, getting that balance between your own time to rejuvenate and your own well-being versus doing what you want to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I can learn it. I still don't mm. know. It, it doesn't matter how many times it happens. I still go, oh, no, I should have saw that coming, but I didn't. Mm. And that probably was good preparation for motherhood, as you know. Right. How <laughs> you, like, survive on, like, a few hours sleep and still mm. go and do it. Two seconds sleep and <laughs> no free hands, no sitting down for food. How are you finding that change of life? Have your priorities and how you balance your time changed a lot since having a baby? I think so, majorly. I think what's happened is I've become much more efficient. So mm. I'm always very like focused on work and very I utilise the time that I'm working so well mm. in a way that I'm not as relaxed. But then in many ways, I'm much less stressed Mm. than I was before because I always have this feeling like you're responsible for a child and your work stress levels or whatever are irrelevant to that child yeah and you need to just be calm and Mm. on it for them Mm. and that's your main priority like above and beyond anything you might want yeah um so I tend to like I'm much more water off the ducks back about things than I yeah. was before so like people are like sorry we didn't get that set piece you wanted or we can't we haven't got a costume and in the past I would never have gone mad at anyone but I might have been worried like oh I hope this looks okay and I hope it's gonna be now I'm just like okay well it is what it is let's mm. just do it and go home and make sure that I'm not yes uptight mm-hmm. I'm very much the same I yeah. think your perspectives change you go as long as we're healthy and we've got food yeah. and we're warm, then the rest is a bonus. You can kind of crack on with it. And I think motherhood cements that feeling yeah, so much. Yeah, and I feel much. like before my work was always my first love and yeah. now my child's my first love. Mm, mm. So like even yesterday when I had a whole day of really important things to do that were like life-changing things for career, 
I did. I remember leaving the house and saying to the girl that looks after the baby, my child seemed a little bit maybe under the weather. Mm. And I was like, if it is bad, just call me and I'll just come home. Don't worry. Yeah. Because that is just now what it absolutely it has to be doesn't it I think that's just a natural thing that you know you can be completely ambitious but but I think that comes first I feel we're speaking after me having my first number one ever in my career with an album Mm. and that was the album I wrote pregnant and then had a baby and came back and it's like really helped Mm. because and it was actually my accountant spoke to me about it and he said that his wife had left her business, she works in finances, for maternity leave for the first time. And she was so worried about whether she'd have a job when she came back from maternity leave and all this stuff. And he said she just, like, after she'd got used to becoming a mother, felt so fueled by, like, the courage, the bravery and the strength that it had given her that she started having all these ideas about how to change the company for the better. And this was when I was pregnant, he said this, and he said she left as an employee and she came back as the director Mm. of this company. And I was like, yeah, right, like she's a (laughs) one-off. But I genuinely believe, Mm. like, okay, so I've gone off, done this, the most challenging thing that I'd done, come back, and now I feel like almost superhuman in a way. And it's... proven a point by being like my first number one it's my first time that I've sold that many records in my whole career um and it's four albums in and the only thing I can think of is it's the baby yes there's there's as you said like the efficiency that you've implemented Mm. into what you're doing but also I mean you're naturally very confident and seem to know what you want to achieve anyway but has that been boosted somewhat because my self-confidence most definitely has rocketed since having kids and i can't put my finger on why it's sort of this inexplicable energy that I go I know that I've I've done that and I feel really grounded in that space of being a mum and really confident and that kind of then overflows into everything else I'm doing yeah I I guess it's that I don't know it's a really perplexing thing I can't work out in my head but do you think you've got even more confident in what you want to do and achieve from being a mum I think so and I but I think maybe like more accepting of what I am than I was before I was talking to people a lot about just stuff to do with like your body and I was like well I wish when I had a really good figure like before I had the baby that I'd show it off a bit more because I was always covering up and now I'm like now everyone can look at it and it's all gone to pot so no, it has not. <laughs> it's like everything's <laughs> hanging and whatever now I'm just like no I don't care who walks in the dressing room <laughs> but it's kind of like changed mm. on that superficial sense yeah. also in a sort of mental sense of just like yeah like a, a feeling of being confident about what I'm capable of mm-hmm. and I think as you say like in a physical sense as well you have that respect for your body and what it's done and it yeah. kind of feels bizarre and impossible when you first get pregnant and then you see this insane change happen that for once I'm saying this, you know, from my own personal point of view, as a control freak, I think I'm controlling everything. And then when you're pregnant, you're like, it's just all happening. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot stop this five centimetre water retention in my ankle (laughs) that takes half an hour to reinflate once I've put my finger in it. Pregnancy is so hardcore. (laughs) Oh, my God. My goodness. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And so looking at where you're at now in your career and the confidence that you've got and the image that you project out there, if there are people out there that are negative towards you, people, even people that you work with, people that say, actually, I don't think you should be doing this. I think you should be doing that. How do you take on board other people's opinions and how do you filter them and then carry on doing what you wanted in the first place? I think that's quite difficult. I tend to like think I take my time to think about it if it feels like a conundrum, especially yeah. if it's people I respect that work with saying stuff like, I don't advise you to do this. And then I have to sort of remind myself of what the truth is about what I, who I am and what I want to say. I mm. mean, I recently just went on Sky News and was told to like dumb down the sort of political slant that I had on a song because it might make people not want to buy them the song if they knew and I just was like no I can't do that Mm. like I'm gonna have to just be me and that's gonna have to be it and then it sort of in the end it does pay off in the long term maybe not in the moment because then there is always a backlash and I expected the backlash but I definitely don't care as much post child as I did before And it's okay, like I remember when I was a kid, and I was quite lucky to be raised like this, quite early on in my life, my mother said to me, not everyone will like you, and that's okay. Mm. And I think, because I was my mother's only child, as an only child, you naturally have like a default setting that you want everyone to like you, because you want want to be everything, whereas with siblings, you get to share it, that's basic psychology. And I did, I was a bit of a pleaser and I did want to be good as gold and I did want to be liked and all that stuff. And my mum said it to me, you're going to exhaust yourself in life if you go into adulthood thinking that everyone needs to like you because they Mm. don't. Mm. That is liberating. You are someone that I always look at from the outside and go, oh my God, look at the confidence and look at you, you stay in that lane that you've set for yourself and you want to do it. And I think that does take a lot of courage. But I think as well, like, there's a difference between... I think that com- the confidence that's valuable never, ever steps anywhere close to arrogance. Mm. I feel like th- they, they often get confused mm. and sometimes confidence can manifest in arrogance in people and it's not great. I feel like I have a confidence in my imperfections in a way and that is the type of confidence. So it definitely doesn't mean that I am confident through and through. Like my mum always said as well, like all extroverts are closet introverts, Mm. all introverts are closet extroverts. We all have the capability to be both. So I do think that like it's about having a confidence in what's not, or ever gonna be who you are mm. like I was so lucky with my upbringing like I even remember 
being a teenager and I still have this proportion my mum said you'll never be the figure that you want to be because that's not your genetic makeup like you're always going to have thick thighs even if you're skinny and emaciated your thighs proportionately will be that size compared to the rest of you so don't try and imagine that you're six foot three and skinny because you'll never be that Mm, mm. so it's even just on that level it was just always very realistic and although my mum gave me a lot of confidence and I've definitely benefited from it it was a confidence in who I actually am rather than some kind of socially pressured manifestation of something else it was literally like you're you now be confident about that because you'll never be them yeah you know and when you're striving for where you want to head and you've got that burning ambition does that also sort of have running along alongside it perfectionism does that kind of is that inclusive of that package for you yeah but I think perfectionism is an illusion like I always feel so much more secure and like things are right if I've been in control of all of them yeah but they aren't necessarily it's like today somebody said to me oh somebody's had an idea for a performance of yours and I'm like well that's irrelevant how good it is because it's not my idea Mm. and it's always my idea and then they're like but what if the idea is really good and I'm like I don't care is that purely about control or is that about authenticity and you wanting it to be 100% from you I do believe it's about authenticity yeah and it's like everything I do has to feel that I've contributed to it or that's genuinely from me Mm. or else I don't feel like I'm selling me I don't I like it to feel genuine otherwise I feel that I'm buying into like a facade that I've never wanted to be are there sort of two different Palomas at this point in time? You know, I imagine like you're going to do a big performance tonight and that's a huge part of what you do. And before you would have gone on stage, worn the amazing dress, done your thing and then whatever happened the next day, it didn't matter because you were just going to carry on as you were. But now then you've got to slip back into parenting mode. How do you sort of re-enter that atmosphere after you've been in big Paloma mode? Sometimes I'm in that situation by accident because I know I've got to leave immediately after yeah. and I'd rather do bath time mm. and just get all my hair and makeup done and then do bedtime and bath time to be normal yeah. and then get in the cab. So that feels a bit weird sometimes. I'm sure you've been there. Like, oh, yeah. Before a red carpet, just like all the false everything you can find in the house, like eyelashes, mm-hmm. bit of extra hair, bit of mm-hmm. like face whatever Mm -hmm. and you're like standing with your child being like this feels really insincere and weird yeah (laughs) I don't want to teach them this message in life (laughs) and you are and then so how what about the other way around then going from you know vulnerable mum mode where you're at the mercy of your kids mood and how they're feeling the sensitivities and then going into sort of where you have to a space where you've got to be quite robust and resilient. I find that really, it's really hard. Really difficult, yeah. Especially like we were talking earlier about social media and mm. stuff. Like hearing all these people slag you off, and you're sort of like at the point in your life where you're crying at an Andrex commercial, yeah. Because you've because by default to be a parent, your heart opens up so much to mm. be a good parent that it lets a lot of rubbish in as well. Yeah. So that's difficult. Um, But I wouldn't, I've made a conscious decision that I want to be that type of parent. So I'd rather suffer myself for the sake of them to have a gentle, kind Mm mum than like be hard and not emotional or not present. 
I'm the same, very much so. Yeah. And although perhaps a self-confessed control freak in areas of your career and yeah. certainly wanting to keep that authenticity, how important is collaboration with what you do and working with the right people? I think, like, it's so weird when people don't acknowledge how many people it takes for you to get to where you are. Mm. And I think one of the... when I When I think about success... One of the skills that I'm so grateful I have is that I have a really good gut instinct about people. Mm. So I've surrounded myself in my work and my life with really kind, wonderful people. And I can tell very quickly if they are or not. Mm. And I do attribute a lot of my success to them because Mm. I think that this industry really does benefit you if you get a reputation for being nice to be around and everyone around you is Mm. and they're like oh it was so lovely because your team have been really responsive emails were answered quickly everyone was nice to be around there was no diva on set Mm. that stuff sets you in good stead Mm. like for the future in a massive way and I'm really big on rewarding that in people like I try and make sure for example that every Christmas there's a Christmas meal for everyone who works with me that I give bonuses that I acknowledge it that I text everyone if something good happens to me because if something good happens to me it really does involve so many people Mm. it's never just one person Mm. um and I think for me like that's the key to success is not just being ambitious yourself but also acknowledging all the work that other people put in for you and like you know when I got my number one for the first time ever I've been with my manager for 11 years and my manager's assistant for like maybe eight and they were both just bawling their eyes out Mm. with joy because it does feel collective and it is about everyone doing stuff and it's it's you know it's, it actually happened quite... It was quite an amazing moment in my career that I got to be in a film with Tom Waits, who's a really cool guy. And I remember, like, I was on set and it was a Terry Gilliam film. And I was just like, Tom Waits, Tom Waits, Tom Waits, you are a legend, you are a god. And he was on set on the phone to his wife and he was going, so what do I do? Do I say this? Do I do... And I was like, Tom, why do you keep calling your wife? And he's like, oh, because she basically like is the backbone of everything I do and I was like really and he was like yeah she's my music collaborator my creative collaborator everything and I couldn't do anything I couldn't be me without her Mm. and it was kind of like that makes sense because Mm. every one of us is like that and it's not just about the people you work with but it's who you're in a relationship with and it's about who you're friends with and how people really who you surround yourself Mm. with allow you the freedom to be you and do what you do and do what you're good at and then compensate for the things that you're not so good at. Mm. I totally agree because I think community is such a big part of all of it and Mm. like you say creating or being lucky to kind of be dropped into a really interesting circle of people that you are supported by in so many ways and I also love the fact that that teamed with being really nice is a really good little equation for doing well. Whereas I think sometimes the general consensus can be you've got to be pushy, you've got to be hard, you've got to be, you know, especially as a woman, you've got to stand up for yourself and do this and this to do well. Whereas actually, I 
certainly personally believe you can be a really decent person and have great people around you mm. and be fair and be generous and, and still do well. good things to happen to good yeah. people and mm. there's goodwill around you if that happens. Mm. If you are working with challenging people and you're not seeing eye to eye and they are going about things in a way that you wouldn't, how do you deal with that in your working life? Get rid of them. Yeah. What if you can't? <laughs> I have been in that situation a few times. Mm. It's very difficult because, especially if you're an emotional person and easily affected, which I am, I think it's about saying to yourself, I'm going to set myself a realistic goal. If I can just get through this today or this moment, then it's only that to do and then it's only that to do. Mm. And you kind of like work through it in that way. But I think it's really important to me never to kind of stoop to a level that's not naturally myself and become maybe not a version of myself I don't like to Mm. retaliate because then you just go home feeling awful and they're definitely not going home feeling awful because that's probably their temperament. Yeah. So I think it's really important that you try and resist that kind of temptation to just be like, do you know what? Yeah. (laughs) Because you'll be the one that can't sleep. Yeah, exactly. But occasionally, like, I do think, if it's really out of hand, you can just say, look, we both know that neither one of us is enjoying this, Mm. but can we just together make a pact that we're going to just both suck it up for the next few hours Mm. and just get on with it? Because otherwise we're both going to be miserable. And I think sometimes that might just... Yeah, cut the edge off. How are you with that sort of level of confrontation? I hate it so much. I wouldn't do it. That's just what I'd like to be doing. Mm. (laughs) Same. I've been in those situations and it's like you have a dialogue in your head but your mouth is saying something else. You're you're like, like, come on, say the words that you're thinking. Sorry. Sorry, I've been such a pain and nightmare. Yeah. Um, What does being creative mean to you? It's like my bloodline, I think. Mm. I always feel as well, like, when I'm on, you know, promotional trail of a record that has been, usually comes after such a creative time, Mm. and I'm pre-tour, which is a really creative time, I always find it difficult when, like, you go and do the same thing again and again, everyone's asking the same questions, and... I'm trying to, like, be inventive about the answers or creative about them to sort of not make myself feel dead from the, from the neck down mm. kind of thing. So that's definitely important to me. And I think that is really what fuels what people, I guess, deem as, like, me being sort of silly or funny or whatever. It's, like, almost like I'm a bit of a restless child in school that doesn't like maths, that mm. I'm just, like, waiting to misbehave because somehow it, like, fuels ignites that creativity Mm. even if I'm just like saying something that might not be the normal answer it ignites that in me and I feel like I've turned it into something that may feel creative Mm. so it's running through in a subconscious level whatever you're doing yeah yeah. and what does success mean to you revenge now I'm joking a billboard (laughs) I think that I would be lying if I didn't say that I am addicted to but within my own parameters of success I just think there's nothing that beats the kind of chemical rush that you get when you've achieved something that you thought you might not achieve Mm. like it just 
really is an addiction of mine. And it's a good, it's kind of like a better addiction than a lot of the ones that oh, are yeah. available. So much better. <laughs> you don't need rehab for that one. It's all good. Well, look, thank you so much thank for you. chatting today. It's been really, it's really been lovely. A woman I admire. Oh, and you are one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I feel pumped and inspired after hearing Paloma talk. Thank you so much, you brilliant woman. So that's it for this week. Next week, we'll be talking to the author, Matt Haig, the man behind the wonderful book, Reasons to Stay Alive. Get it as soon as it's released by subscribing for free using your podcast app or on Spotify. Tell your friends, spread the love. Write us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. Thanks so much to Paloma. Thanks to the producer, Matt Hill at Rethink Audio. And of course, to you for listening. Thank you. And I'll see you soon. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.